Welcome into the lounge presented by DraftKings. Today we have the capologist. Brian McFarlane from Russell Street Report is joining us to break down the Ravens' salary cap situations, what he could see happening as the Ravens make some of these tough decisions moving forward, uh, and, and much more. So, Brian, let's let's start off with where do the Ravens sit right now salary cap-wise? Because it seems like there's 10 different numbers out there about how much salary cap space they actually have. Well, yeah, that's the problem this time of year. I mean, technically... Uh, they have about a little under nine million, um, but that's before we're, we're not a, we're not totally sure on the adjustments that come from the incentives that were earned last year and some that weren't earned last year. I'm putting that at about four million and a negative. Uh, they had a lot of guys earn incentives, um, which when they're happening, that's great because that means they're performing well. But when they hit the cap the next year. Um, you know, then you're kind of like, oh, that's a big number. So, um, so that 4 million, um, there's a workout bonus, uh, amount that counts against the cap until training camp. Um, so when you put all those together, um, estimating them and I, we don't know Aguilar's numbers yet. Uh, we haven't seen, we've seen kind of a gross number on the deal that was reported yesterday at the one year 3.75, but we don't know part of that's incentives. We don't know if they're void years, things like that. So we don't can't really tell what that cap number is going to be. So without that, I'm I'm putting the number at around three and a half, three point six million, and that's kind of the starting position because obviously a lot of things are going to happen between now and March 13th when the new league year starts. Right, and, and obviously the Ravens have have begun the process already when they made decisions on guys with voided void years in their contracts obviously brought back nelson aguilar like you mentioned did not bring back kevin zeitler rock Yassine, gino stone and who am i missing there's one other uh gus edwards gus edwards thank <clears> you gus edwards. Yeah. Yep. uh and so did any of those moves surprise you i know particularly people thought that zeitler might return yeah, I mean, Zeitler was the biggest number there, too, as far as the dead money over four million dollars. Um, they could have reduced that and had that the void years stay in place about a million each and then money on top of that. So if he got a you know new deal that was, you know, six million uh, for the first year cap number, it would have only raised things three million because as of now, he's counting four. So uh, so seven instead of four. So it seemed like a a thing, you know, uh, Eric DaCosta spoke very glowingly of him at the end of the year press conference and Zeitler, you know, said he wanted to be back too. So it is kind of surprising. It doesn't preclude them from bringing him back. But again, there's that kind of $3 million difference that if you gotten it done sooner, um, but, you know, it takes two to tango. The, obviously, sometimes, you know, the, the team and the player and his agent just disagree on value and you can't find that middle ground. And, you know, sometime in March, one side will prove to be right and the other not, I guess, uh, if, if he hits the free agent market or as he gets to that, gets the combine coming up and agents start talking and, you know, um, and teams start talking, even though they're not supposed to, um, you know, you get to that point where maybe it turns out that, you know, uh, I guess for the Ravens sake, maybe hopefully it is that uh, the number they put out that Zeitler can't get that elsewhere. And he comes back and says, Hey, your number was pretty good. Let's get a deal done. Now, could they, could they structure that contract in a way that says, all right, that void year money is going to go to Zeitler. And so your year one cat, like that's worked into the contract basically. No, that's dead money at this point that that contract has ended 
um, that money will stay on the cap no matter what. Now, I mean, they can work out to, you know, if it's a if it's a multi-year deal, they could work out that first year cap number to be low as possible right. um, to offset that what they kind of lost that roughly $3 million in that case. Uh, but it, that money, that $4.268 million is staying on the cap no matter what. Mm. So, so, Brian, I think that, you know, for every year when we have this conversation, it, it seems like we kind of start the conversation with the Ravens are tied against the salary caps. But, you know, mm-hmm. that's just kind of how it's been. And that's because it's, it's the organization has spent to the cap to try to put the best team on the field. And it's only, you know, the cap challenge only becomes more significant when you get a franchise quarterback uh, under contract, which obviously the Ravens were able to do with Lamar Jackson. I guess, what's your perspective on where the Ravens sit from a cap standpoint league-wide and how how they, you know, how that will give them opportunities to either be active or not active when it comes to free agency? Yeah, they're probably definitely in the bottom half probably bottom third of, of cap space at this point. Now, obviously, a lot of teams have a lot of work to do. There's some teams that are way over the cap that are going to have to restructure a bunch of deals, release guys. Um, so obviously, the Ravens don't have that issue. Um, the one main issue the Ravens do, uh, in, in essence, have is if they're going to franchise Justin Matabike, um at you know 20 to $21 million on that tag, um, They've got a lot of work to do in that case because um, there are certainly restructures and releases they can do, but that's a big chunk of change. And if they can't, I mean, ideally get a long-term deal done before then and not have to use the tag, long-term deal would probably return a cap number of 8 or $9 million uh, for this year, which is a lot better than 20 to 21. Mm-hmm. Right. So... In terms of clearing cap space, let's kind of go go through that. You know, part part of the the way that you add cap space is you you release players, you restructure deals. As you look at the Ravens right now, what do you see as the most likely avenue for this team to clear cap space if they want to? Whether it's a franchise tag from Adebike, if they want to be active in free agency, how will they go about trying? Uh, what are the avenues that they have available to them to free up cap space? Yeah, I think the two easiest ones are restructuring Lamar Jackson's contract. That's what happens with quarterback contracts. They can clear $11 million in cap space, so that's a nice chunk of change there. Um, you know, most quarterbacks don't see the last years of their deal because it gets re- because they get extended, they get extended. So um, they, they can, they can by restructuring and pushing money into the future, it's not the end of the world. Uh, with a quarterback contract, unless there's a you know terrible injury or a terrible decline in pay, so or play, so uh, so I think that that's an easy one because it's also a big chunk of change. So that's 11 million right there. Uh, Tyus Bowser's probably the most likely player to get cut. Um, obviously, he didn't play this year. Um, you know, it seemed like John Harbaugh didn't. We either got tired of answering the questions or. Um, or didn't really know how to answer was kind of fr- or frustrated with the whole thing. He just started towards the end of the year showing frustration. They never said he's not going to play this year, but they never gave an indication of when he might return. So what that was, what that injury was, but he's only played, I think it's nine games out of the last 34 regular season games. So only nine games out of the last two years. Um, it's 5.5 million to release him, um, which um, you know, when you're looking at releasing players and creating cap space, you don't want to release five guys at a million each to get the 
five million because you got still have to replace five guys. Um, so you want to look at that where you can get the biggest chunks of change, so to speak. And five point five is um, is a good spot to go. Uh, there's some other restructures. Uh, Roquan Smith, Marcus Williams seem like guys they would restructure. Uh, Marcus Williams, I believe, is close to eight, and Roquan's about four. So right there, you've you know between those four moves, you've created you know close to thirty million or a little over thirty million in cap space. Um, there's still expenses that come along that teams have to be mindful of. You've got your you're obviously signing your draft picks after the draft. You've got your practice squad and injury replacements during the season. So those things are probably all going to add up to be 14, 15, 16 million in cap space. So they need space there as well. So if you look at the Matabike um, the tag and those expenses, you're going to need 35, you need to create 35 to 36 million right there before you talk about resigning play other players um, and, and then going out on the market. So um, it is a tight cap. There's some other avenues, some other releases. Ronnie Stanley's one that, uh, you know, with uh, 15 million, he's, he's due 15 million in cash this year. Seems a little high given, you know, his up and down last two years. Um, he's still expensive with dead money, but a post June one release would return that $15 million, um, which would, actually just works out perfectly to offset those future expenses um so or does or they try to get him to take a pay cut or restructure uh, i don't think they'll do a simple restructure where it's just bonus to uh to salary or salary to bonus because that's just adding more money on the next year's cap uh but you know you never know so there are avenues they can use void years to create more space which they did last year whether that's going to be something they do or something they needed to do with Lamar on the bigger tag last year. Um, so, so those are, they have avenues, but it's not going to be, I don't see them creating $50 million to go out and get free agents. Right. Do they need to make those decisions? If you tag Matabike, do you have to have the money clear at that point to pay for that? Or if you tag Matabike, you don't have to be under the cap until let's say, you know, the deadline comes up for, whether he's actually going to be on the tag and getting that long-term extension done. You know what I mean? Yeah, he does. As soon as he's tagged, he does technically count against the cap, but you do not need to be under the cap until four o'clock on Wednesday, uh, March 13th. Okay. So they have time so they could tag him today. Right. um, And they don't, and that would put them over the cap, but they don't have to make other moves until that deadline right but some of those moves if you're talking about ronnie stanley post june one so it's not like you can necessarily count on that move if you have matabike on the on the tag no and what yeah and with a post june one release that 15 million is not available until june 2nd right so that's um, that's so, like for your if you wanted to make a trade next season or make a clowny signing van Noy signing some of those later deals that's what that would free up essentially yeah, that's your future expenses, uh, you know, so but they could, you know, I mean, in theory, they could spend to the cap to that point, mm-hmm. um, you know, as opposed to, oh, we've got to have a, you know, we've got to have a, a surplus here for future uh, expenses. So they could do that. Uh, but, you know, they're going to get themselves in, you know, I, you know, they, they're going to get themselves under the cap, obviously, but they'll have a little wiggle room because there are a lot of veterans on just one year deals that guys like guy like brent urban they'll bring back i would i would think um and you know he's going to cost uh, you know pennies against the cap because he's replacing a guy already who's counting so 
and he and a veteran minimum. So might a signing like that might add a couple hundred thousand to the cap. So it's not like, you know, that's going to change things drastically, but a bigger ticket item, uh, you know, bringing, oh, they brought Aguilar back, but bringing a, um, I'm trying to think of, uh, you know, middle range. Um, what about Clowney? Uh, Ronald Darby. <clears throat> well, Clowney's going to be more expensive, <laughs> but a guy like Ronald okay. Darby, two, three, four, you know, million in that range, um, you know, they, they, they'll probably create space to be able to get those kinds of moves, but a bigger move, uh, unless they go crazy with restructures uh, and void years, I don't see this as being a year they're going to go out. Of course, they'll probably prove me totally wrong now that I said that. <laughs> well, that's what I, that's what I was going to ask, Brian. I mean, you know, we get questions all the time. As always, fans can email us at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. But we get questions all the time when we're coming up on free agency about some of the big free agents who are going to be out there. And I think a lot of the focus this year um, has been on running back. You know, we've gotten questions about Saquon Barkley and Derrick Henry. You know, the, the, the kind of the top, the two top running backs. Um, who are going to be on that open market in free agency. So I'll just kick the question to you now. So we, what is there any possibility of those guys, or are they too tight against the cap to possibly afford the opportunity to, to go try to sign them? Yeah, I would be surprised just because of the, the dollar amounts uh, that, would, that would be involved there. And you're talking about running backs or you know, starting to push the thir- their 30s, I mean, late 20s at this point. Um, the Ravens have done very well. I mean, look at Keith Mitchell, look at Gus Edwards. Uh, they've done very, very well finding running backs. Uh, both of those guys were undrafted. Um, so I would be that one would surprise me. I, you know, I could see them drafting a running back. Mitchell will be back at some point, obviously, next year. Um, and you've got Justice Hill, so you don't it's, it's the cupboard's pretty bare, um, with, with obviously the Mitchell injury. But, uh, you know, if they bring Gus back or if they go out and get a a Gus level running back, I kind of see that is probably more likely. Interesting. I mean, I think part of it depends on what the running back market is like, right? It's so been on so depressed in recent years. What's it look like this offseason? I think we'll we'll have to see. Uh, One thing I wanted to clarify with you is you talk about restructures and Lamar's being an obvious one because these quarterbacks, they get another extension before those final years. But when you're talking about potential restructures with Marlon, Marcus, you know, some of those guys, that's just kind of kicking the can down the road, right? Like, like those, those help you in the immediate, but it's not necessarily, you want to do those restructures with guys that you know, you're going to sign another extension with ideally, right? Yeah. You want guys that you're expecting to be around for a couple of years, because as you said, they're at, that's basically you're taking this year's salary and turning it into a bonus and prorating it over the remainder remaining years of the contract. So what that means is it lowers this year, but let's just say, let's say there's three years left or four years left on the contract and you're restructuring $12 million. So three of that 12 would count this year, but the other nine would hit 3 million each of the last three years of that deal. So you've just raised each year's cap number by 3 million. So Marcus is not one. I'm sorry. um, Marlin is not one I would expect because they have restructured him twice already. Um, that one would surprise me. Marcus has still has three years on his deal. Uh, I know he's been banged up a little, but he hasn't been restructured yet. Um, so that one I could see as being more likely. Uh, Ronnie Stanley's a guy I would not expect. Also, I think they've restructured him three times now as well. And he only has one year left on his deal. So while it creates, I think his creates about 7 million, could create about 7 million. 
that's putting an additional seven million on next year's cap. He's, his numbers already I, that will put him over thirty million for a cap number for next year. So I I don't envision that, um, especially obviously given his injuries, because if he has a, another up and down year, if if he if he stays this year and has another up and down year next year or next season, then I don't see him here in twenty twenty five. Um, so, and that means that's just seven million dollars of cap space you burned uh, to create cap space this year. So, I, I don't envision that. But uh, guys like Mark Andrews, uh, Marcus Williams, again, uh, Roquan, and, and and Lamar are certainly guys uh, that I, that I think are, are decent candidates. They have done Andrews in the past, but his his won't be a, you know wouldn't add too much to the future. So I think that's a possibility as well. Brian, the other possi- the other factor here is what the salary cap ends up being, which isn't 100% determined yet. And we see reports this week, the cap could go as high as $250 million. If, if all of a sudden the cap comes in from the NFL and the NFLPA and it's $250 million, let's say, how does that affect things for the rate? I mean, based on the fact that we're talking about all these different moves they could have to make and how they're tight against the cap, the higher cap, the better, right? I mean, is it really just that simple? Yeah, so um, the reports, the initial reports were somewhere between 240 and, and 250. So I've been using 245. Okay. Now, then a lot of sites, um, a lot of the experts were saying that they were hearing more like 242, 243. So I, I still stuck with the 245. So if it went to 250, then that would be all the numbers I talked about earlier, The th- having 3 million now and eight, well, eight now and then 3 million once they get their off-season work done, um, then that would be five million more than that. So, um, so certainly, I mean, every team wants to have five million more, but certainly teams that fight against the cap, like the Ravens, it definitely helps a lot. Can, so, so yeah, fingers crossed for for two fifty. Yeah, Brian, can you just talk about generally speaking? You know, Lamar now entering year two of that deal, he's going to be a bigger and bigger number, right? And teams have to have a different approach when they have that quarterback on that second contract can you talk about kind of the the roster gymnastics and what lamar's contract means for the ravens moving forward salary cap wise yeah i mean i think one of the main things and it's not really salary cap wise but it's obviously related is you need to hit your draft picks i mean because they are your cheap labor for four years um so and i know you know there have been talks about i mean the sites put i kind of drives me nuts but sites put out all these trade offers and you know this and that and you know the ravens trade this and this for brian burns you know um things like that uh, you know or a wide receiver you know um the wide receiver of a name is escaping me from san francisco oh, that just some trade yeah, Brent, Brent yes yeah. yes so you know if you're get, i don't see them giving up a first round pick I don't see that. I see them more likely to trade down from the first round into the second and pick up more picks. Um, I mean, never say never. I mean, they, you know, they have gone out and made trades, certainly under under DaCosta. They've made a lot more trades than they did under Ozzie Newsome. But, um, yeah, I don't see that because of the, the, just the need for the, the draft capital to, to hit those picks and have those guys for four years while you've got Lamar on this big contract. And yes, you're going to, you know, you're going to lose some players you'd rather keep. And that's all that always happens. But, you know, it might happen a little more. You know, they might have been able to do a deal with a guy like Geno Stone, who isn't going to break the bank. He's going to certainly make a lot more than he is now. And it sounds like they made some attempts based on some of his social media posts about value and things like that. But, 
that's you know that's something where you, you they may try to lock some guys up a little earlier and that was one of the costas you know stated so you know a guy like brandon stevens though he'll actually cost more against the cap you want to get those guys done before they hit free agency um and you know because obviously the injury risk of playing an nfl season is you know even even at any position punters we saw a couple punters go down and get hurt this year not thankful not thankfully for the ravens but uh, and kickers as well so you know you've got to replace those guys so that cheap labor is really important and getting guys signed a little earlier is a good thing but it probably means they're going to lose a few more players they, they'd certainly rather keep around right and last one for me i think just the big question here is what do you think ends up happening with Matabike? Um, I, I, unfortunately, I mean, I hope they get him signed. I, I, he's going to be here next year, whether it's an extension I, I, or a tag. I, I don't think they're going to let him get out of the building. Um, ideally, then, as I mentioned earlier, a long-term deal from a cap perspective works a lot better. I don't think they will tag him until the last possible day or hour even. Um that always seems to end negotiations right there. And I don't know exactly why that is. Um, and there is a deadline to get him signed to a long-term contract at July 15th. Uh, it usually seems like guys, once they're tagged, it ends. And then, uh, you know, then guys sign right around the 14th or the 15th of July. So um, I think they'll wait because that is kind of their hammer. Um, you know, let's get a deal done. We want you. You want to, You say you want to be here. We want you here. Let's get a deal done. Uh, but if we have to, we'll use the tag. So that's their leverage. Um, and they want to keep that leverage available as opposed to throwing the tag down. And then Matabike made, I mean, you've seen some players, I mean, over the last couple of years say, I'll play on the tag. I don't care. You give me 20 million for one year. Matabike's probably made 7 million so far in his career. <laughs> so, not the you worst, know, that, not the worst payday. Three times, as, three times as much sounds pretty good, even if it's just for a year or so. Um, you know, with those tag numbers going up and up and up the way they have as the cap has gone up, um, I th- you see a lot more players willing to risk that playing on the one year. So, but I, yeah, so he's going to be here. It's just a question of, can they get a long-term deal? Can they bridge that gap and find a middle ground that everybody's happy with? And last one for me, just off of that, is it kind of, we haven't asked yet at all about Patrick Queen. Is it kind of a either or situation? I mean, certainly with the franchise tag, they have one franchise tag to use. But is there a world in which the Ravens are able to bring back both of them? Say they do the tag for Matabike and a long term deal for Queen? Or are they probably looking at, you know, Patrick Queen potentially playing elsewhere this upcoming season? Yeah, I mean, I think the only way it could happen, and I think that the odds of that are. 10%. I don't know, you know, but I think the only way they'd have to get them both signed to long-term deals. I don't think they, cause the tag for linebackers, I believe is in the high, in the 17 or 18. So it's not, it's not that far off of, of what Matabike's would be. Um, I mean, obviously with drafting Trenton Simpson last year, kind of mentioned earlier, you gotta, you know, you gotta let guys go and let your young, your draft picks, you know, come in and hopefully, uh, you know, thrive. So I mean, that seemed like the move they were making then. Um, now, you know, you never know. Uh, they they went a uh, little uh, in directions last offseason with the void years that I didn't think, you know, they hadn't before. And part of that was to keep enough money to keep Lamar around if there was a if there was any kind of uh, uh, offer offer sheet signed when he was on the tag. Um, but that was something they they hadn't done in the past. 
Um, and then they kind of kept doing it. Uh, even after that, if they've got him, uh, his cap number down, they had him resigned, they kept using void years. So, I mean, if that's going to be the new way, then, you know, maybe they can with void years by restructuring a lot of guys. You know, I mentioned uh, Lamar and, you know, and, and some of the guys they could restructure. Some of those numbers would come up if they added a void year or two on the end of those deals. So, I mean, that's possible. Uh, but I, I think, I mean, I think, you know, I think the writing's on the wall there. I'd love to have him back. It, you know, it seems like, I mean, he's a guy that, you know, uh, really turned his career around um, from, from the way he played his first two years or so. So, but I, yeah, unfortunately, I think um, that's one that, you know, that's just one of those moves that you got to let the guy go because he's just going to cost you just too much. Well, Brian, we really appreciate it. And how happy are you that we didn't fire away 10 questions about the intricacies of Lamar Jackson's contracts? You know, it's a lot <laughs> different than last year, huh, Brian? Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's so much different. Yeah, that was, I mean, I wanted him resigned because I wanted him to be our quarterback for the future, but I was very happy that I didn't, all, all I had to answer questions were then about, oh, do we know the details of the contract yet? What's it going to look like? You know, uh, break it down for the future. No more of what do you think he's going to get? And is he going to stay on the tag? Is he going to show up in camp? Is he going to show up for the season? All those kinds of questions. Yes, I was more than happy to. And, and all, again, all sorts of ways to be able to move up past that topic for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us, Brian. For our listeners, make sure you check out Brian's work at Russell Street Report. He is our resident capologists here on the lounge so thank you so much brian i appreciate it. anytime guys you're listening to the lounge podcast we're coming to you from the seat geek studio we want to give a shout out to our friends at DraftKings sportsbook which is an official sports betting partner of the baltimore ravens they've got a limited time offer running that you don't want to miss download the DraftKings sportsbook app today use the promo code flock if you're a new user you can get a deposit bonus up to a thousand dollars again the promo code is flock only at DraftKings. You need to be at least 21 years or older and physically present in Maryland to play. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. Well, big thanks to Brian for joining us. Um, you know, he's uh, he's the expert on, on that field, so always enjoy getting his perspective, and uh, hopefully uh, the listeners have a little bit better of a understanding of the moves that that could be coming over the course of the next few weeks. I think that this is an interesting time. Um, I think a lot of this movement really starts to kind of unfold here over the next 10 days. The combine is next week. That's where agents and GMs start having conversations really kind of at at an accelerated level Mm -hmm. and the reports start flying out. And I think that a lot of that movement and discussion will kind of uh, come to clarity over the course of the next week and a half, two weeks. Yeah, I agree. And and I thought one of the better points that he made was uh, something that I was thinking about is you look at the, the Chiefs and, and their model, obviously back-to-back championships for them, and look at that roster this year. Patrick Mahomes is making a ton of money. You have Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, and Chris Jones really gobbling up a lot of the salary cap. And then from there on out, you look down, and it's not a lot of high numbers on that roster. And it was... Very uh, a large collection of first, second, third year players that they just hit on in the draft that made a huge, a huge difference for them. Trent McDuffie, Carl Loftus, Sneed, the cornerback, uh, a, a lot of guys, Leo Chanel, linebacker. Just you go down the list, both starting starting cornerbacks, and, and it's just hits in the draft. And I think obviously the Ravens' lifeblood for a long time has been the draft. They've always believe that but as Lamar Jackson's salary cap number goes up and 
when you want to keep stars like Justin Matabike, that's going to take up a large chunk of the pie and you just don't have room for many luxury items. I mean, last year they had the ability to go out and get a Javion Clowney late. Not that it was a, a huge deal, mm-hmm. you know, but they, they got him late. They, they got a Van Noy, you know, like this year, you know, you, you signed Marcus Williams in recent seasons on the free agent market. You signed Odell Beckham, all those things. I don't, I don't think that they really are going to be able to, maybe they can make a modest deal, Unless you're making a lot of cuts, mm-hmm. right? Unless you're clearing a lot of space. But even if you clear a guy that clears up four or five million dollars in roster space, well, you have to replace him unless you have the internal replacement on board. And I think for the offensive line, maybe you do. Maybe you bank on a Daniel Falele, for yeah. example, a Ben Cleveland. Maybe that's the thought with Zeitler. You don't you have the in-house cheap labor already, and you do have to rely on some of these younger players as the as you get less and less salary cap space you have to yeah and you have to continue hitting on picks to keep feeding that pipeline so as much as the ravens have always said the draft is the lifeblood i think it becomes even more important now with lamar jackson on his second contract the fact of the matter is after the ravens paid joe flacco they did not have as much success team wise as they did when he was on his rookie deal it became harder yeah right i mean after the after the super bowl they paid him and they went to the playoffs in 2014. Yeah, and then in 18, but that was when Lamar took over exactly. as a starter. Now, the Ravens have already over-delivered on that in comparison. They went to the AFC Championship in Lamar's first year under his new contract. Right. So, you know, it, it is it is more challenging. Like, there's no doubt about it. You look across the league, there's plenty of teams that have signed quarterbacks and then struggled, and it's a challenge to field a great team when you have a very expensive quarterback. The flip on the side flip is, side is, the Chiefs have just won back-to-back Super Bowls with Patrick yep. Mahomes, who's got a big contract. So, that's like... Well, on the flip side is, you have the MVP. Well, yeah, you have, you have the great quarterback. <laughs> right, so, like, but, that, has to, that has to offset... What the guys that you can't add? Yeah, That's just the fact of the matter. Which Lamar certainly does. It's like right. it, it's there's always this game. It's like it's much better to be in a situation where you're paying a quarterback a lot of money rather than looking for a quarterback. Oh, there's no worse situation than to be looking for a quarterback. The Ravens have the MVP. He makes everybody around him better, and you know he he was the biggest reason, a huge reason why the Ravens had the success that they did this year. And I think they'll continue to do that. Mm-hmm. But yes, they're going to need to hit on these draft picks. And that's something that Eric DaCosta has said many times. He said it, you know, last year going into the draft, recognizing that the, the team has paid the quarterback. Now you need, the, the draft takes on an even greater importance uh, for an organization that already leaned heavily on the draft. So mm-hmm. it's going to be critical. And, and uh, with the combine next week, that's where things really kind of ramp up in that regard. Um, we want to get to an email here, and as always, you can email us at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. So we got this email from Riley. Yep, Riley Rumberg says, Been a minute since I emailed. We had a tough, <laughs> heartbreaking end to the season, to say the least. Had a very successful season, but still came up short. Nothing to hang, hang our heads about. We can be proud that Lamar has proven again to the world that he's an absolute stud, MVP. He says he has a, a few situations that he'd love to get our thoughts on. One, he says, very clear that we need to sign or draft a running back this offseason. Who do you think fits our team best? Saquon, Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, or King Henry? He says his vote is for Saquon, so we'll answer that first. I mean, look, Saquon Barkley is a great player. I mean, I think he's, you can make the case that he's the best running back in the league. He's up there. Um, so, 
I think that it go, you know, this is a question we just asked Brian. I think that it's going to be really challenging for the Ravens to pay big money there. I think that Saquon of those three probably gets the biggest deal. Mm-hmm. So then he's probably the least likely, even right. though he might be the best player of the three. Right. Henry's been, you know, <laughs> we've seen it firsthand just how damaging he can be. He's, right. he's a great player. I think that just based on his age, he's probably going to get us a, a smaller contract than Saquon Barkley and probably even Josh Jacobs. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, to me, he would be most likely from a contract standpoint, but all of them, as Brian indicated, could end up being too much money for the Ravens to fit under the cap. Mm-hmm. I think it goes back to what you said. What's the running back market look like this year? Exactly. If it's affordable, then sure. Now well, we can have that conversation. Well, like Brian said, it's it's not only the Ravens who have had success finding running backs mid to late in the draft and on cheap labor. Everybody has had that success. That's that's kind of become the league motto, and that's why the market has been depressed. The Ravens and Eric DaCosta are really good, I think, at finding where there's still value. And it wouldn't surprise me if Eric DaCosta looks at the free agent market and says, look, I have a young guy in Keith Mitchell that we really like, but I need a bridge until he's healthy and, and all the way back. You know, So it would not surprise me if Eric and the Ravens look at this market and say, now it's almost gone so far, it's become so so depressed <laughs> that there's bargains to be found uh-huh. with proven players that can can be maybe that bridge to that young player that breaks out or a running back that you draft. You know, I don't know that you want to draft a guy on day three and say, hey, I'm banking on this guy to be one of my top two running backs this year. Yeah. That's a that's a tall t- tall task. Yeah, it, it's, and I don't know that the Ravens really want to invest a day one or maybe even day two pick on a running back when you have so many other needs at premium positions. Yeah, it's just always funny because you can look at it anyway. I think Brian's point is totally legitimate. That the Ravens have had a success finding running backs late. Gus Edwards has been a really good player here, undrafted. Yep. Keaton Mitchell looked like he was going to be a, a huge piece of this offense prior to that injury down the stretch, and he was emerging in a big way. You know, so and Justice Hill was a fourth round pick. So these right. are all late to undrafted guys. On the flip side, you know, they also drafted J.K. Dobbins in the second round. Mm-hmm. And J.K. Dobbins, I think, showed tremendous potential before his injuries. Mm-hmm. So they've done it both ways from an investment standpoint in the draft. Of course, there were rumors that they were trying to make a trade for the running back at a running back at the deadline this year. Not sure if that's true or not, but those were the rumors. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's a lot of different ways that you can go can go at it i just think that if it if it's playing if it plays out the way that you're suggesting which is like this running back market is is depressed once again and now you can get great value and you can get a great player then sure that sounds great they signed mark ingram right Right. they signed mark ingram as a veteran player and he came in here and made a huge impact in his in his first season Mm -hmm. so they've gone that route too they've done Mm -hmm. it every way yep undrafted fairly moderately expensive free agent Relatively high draft pick in the second round, so yeah. it's it's gone every way for this for this yep. team as they built the roster over the past six years. Yep, completely agree. Riley's second question: He says we have a very tough defensive dilemma on our hands. The thought of losing Queen or Matabike or even both is sickening. <laughs> uh, he says, which one would you prioritize? His vote goes to Matabike. Yeah, I mean, I think that Matabike's. I, I think I would probably say the same thing. I would love to have both. Queen is, they've paid the inside linebacker in Roquan Smith. It's hard to pay pay both. If you're able to do it, great. But I think that it's challenging to pay both two of the top five inside linebackers in the game, top dollar. It's just mm-hmm. challenging to do that. And so I think that 
looking at the two, Matabike probably is the more likely one. Mm-hmm. And he also has, both of them have rare ability, but Matabike's ability as a pass rusher, you know, at this point of his career, he might be the best pass rushing defensive tackle in the game. Mm-hmm. He had the most sacks in the NFL this year from an interior pass rush standpoint. Right. So that is hard to let walk out the building. Yeah. Uh, final thoughts on the salary cap discussion that we've had. Uh, for me, a lot of, a lot of the off season depends on what the Ravens are going to do at offensive tackle to me. Are you moving on from Moses and Stanley or are you not? Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing coming out of the talking to Brian is, you know, Ronnie doesn't really, if you were going to release Ronnie, you, you have to do it post June one. That savings does not help you keep Matabike at all. Yeah. Right. Unless you get a long-term deal done and you say, all right, some of that savings is going to pay for him this year and beyond. But if you don't get a long-term deal done with Matabike and he's on the tag, you know, you have to make other moves. Mm-hmm. Ronnie aside, right? And maybe that's a, a pay cut as as Brian talked about or, or whatnot. That would help with Matabike. But if you're talking moving on from him, really that's just a savings for, all right, the, the third wave of free agency or whatever where the Ravens have gotten deals done, right, with the clownies of the world and whatnot. That's what that that move would would save free up money for, right? Yeah, I think that that's a, a good point, and I think that you know it'll be the the offensive line as we spent a lot of time talking about in the podcast earlier this week. I think is going to be a point of emphasis. I don't necessarily know if the Ravens start over at both tackle positions. Right. Um, I that that would surprise me to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is also an area where they can get money. And so I think that like you got to weigh the money, the two guys coming off of injuries, you know, what the projection is, you know, for their, their forecast is for their play next year. It's, it's, I, I still think the offensive line is a huge, huge question in an, in an area where the Ravens will invest this off season, especially in the draft. But I also don't know if they start over at both tackle positions. Mm-hmm. There's a risk there as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for listening. As always, make sure you keep it locked here. Make sure you subscribe. Give us a rating and review. And we're going to have a lot of coverage coming up next week from the Combine. We're going to be giving you podcasts from out there, talking about what Eric DaCosta and John Harbaugh say during their press conferences on Tuesday, breaking down the biggest takeaways from that, and much, much more. Garrett will be out in Indy. Uh, So thank you for listening, and we'll be back with you next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.